Have you been given an IBS diagnosis, aka irritable bowel syndrome, or do you struggle with constant bloating, fatigue and gut issues that you can't seem to find the trigger for? If you're nodding your head, then I have just the thing for you. Did you know that one in five people are dealing with constant gut issues? And to be honest, I'm tired of the way we approach these with a medical view in mind without looking for the root causes. To empower and educate women on a larger scale to overcome bloating, fatigue and irregular bowel movements, I've created a six-week online gut solution. It actually is titled The Gut Health Solution and it is a nutrition-based program starting in October for women who are ready to overcome bloating, fatigue and irregular bowel movements. Working with a gut health nutritionist, myself, Sheridan, and in a supportive group of similar like-minded women, you're going to get the confidence you need to remove and introduce foods that are harming your gut to find solutions for your bloating and to start cooking delicious recipes that nourish and heal your body. But spots are limited, so jump to the show notes, my website, SheridanDecker.com, or find me on Instagram, Sheridan underscore functional nutrition, to get on the pre-sale list today. Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. In today's episode, I am chatting with Sheridan Decker. Sheridan is a degree-qualified functional nutritionist holding a degree in sports science, a master's in nutrition, and postgraduate studies in functional diagnostic nutrition. Today, Sheridan and I are chatting all things irritable bowel syndrome or IBS, including what IBS is, how to take a root cause approach to IBS, and also some general diet and lifestyle strategies to help you manage IBS. So if you do struggle with IBS or you know someone that does, I would absolutely love if you would share this episode with them. I know that you're going to love it. Hi, Sheridan. Welcome to Holistic Health Chats. How are you going? Good. Exciting to be here on this brand new podcast. I'm stoked for you. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. We're chatting all about IBS, uh, its root causes and solutions, which I know is a topic that you could just chat all day about. Yes, yes. Kind of a bit of my, I guess, because I've struggled with IBS and let's just call it IBS for today, but irritable bowel syndrome for so long that it's just such a big passion of mine. And yeah, I'm excited to educate and empower women to understand what it is and why it is and how it interacts, you know, with hormones and everything else in the body. Yeah, amazing. So I always like to ask everyone these same two questions, but so firstly, what do you do uh, in your practice today and how do you help women? Yeah, so I call myself a functional nutritionist, which is kind of a hybrid of terms to (laughs) 
describe what I do. So I do functional testing. So that looks like comprehensive stool testing. There's a couple of different labs that I use and work with. And then I also do a bit of hormone testing. So similar to what you would do as well. Um, so some of that Dutch testing as well as blood testing. So just really digging into root causes, why things are happening and the reasons behind them. So I then use a herbal and nutritional based approach to address those sort of root causes and underlying causes to get women from symptoms to solutions. Um, yeah, so I help women overcome those those symptoms, I guess, that we feel like we're chasing in circles all the time, whether it's fatigue, whether it's bloating, mm. whether it's constipation, whether it's loose stools, whether it's hormonal imbalances, um, because I just find so many women struggle with these things and are always just looking for a quick fix or they're being told to take medication or told to take birth control pill or just to eat healthier and exercise more. And although these, you know, these things can be helpful, they're often not addressing the underlying cause of why we're having these imbalances in the first place. Yeah, definitely. I love using the testing. I often explain it as, you know, we can't survive now without Google Maps, right, to get somewhere new. And getting the right testing or getting enough testing as well, it also sort of, it's almost like, you know, providing that map to help you get to a new location, being better health with no symptoms. And realistically, I mean, if you don't have that testing, you're flying blind in a lot of instances. Yeah, for sure. And I think there is more and more awareness coming out about testing now as well. Like it used to just be you know, it was just blood testing. And I know there's a large range of people who only know about blood testing, but the more, you know, Salines and Sheridans who are out there in the world say, no, that's not the only testing you can get done. Or, you know, it's just your sort of basic start. You sort of start to, I don't know, understand more that you can test your hormones and you can test your gut stuff and you can, you know, look beyond sort of a GP's diagnosis of, oh, your hormones are fine or things are in range with your thyroid. But no, they're actually not. And you're right. It gives us gives us sort of that roadmap to something. Well, if it's fatigue, for example, well, flip, what is it? Are you just not eating enough food? Are you exercising too much? Or is it your thyroid? Or is it your gut? Or is it low hormones? Or, you know, like, who knows? Like, how do you know? And, like, you can start with the basics. Like, I know both you and me do with food mm. and that basic approach. But Sometimes it's just not enough. It's just not getting you, you know, to where you want to be. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes we do need to dig a little deeper. And did you, how did you get into becoming a nutritionist and working specifically with women? How did that start? Uh, so, women now, I can get old. Um, close <laughs> to. Six, seven years ago, I um, did my sports science degree, loved it, but didn't want to go into that area. Instead, I focused in on nutrition because my last unit of sports science, I did a nutrition unit and it was amazing. And I was like, actually, this is what I want to do. So mm -hmm. then I went on to do um, Masters of Nutrition. So that was through Deakin University. And then did my um, postgraduate studies after that in functional diagnostic nutrition, as well as training and assessing so I could teach and lecture people as well as um, working one-on-one -on -one with clients. But I found that doing just the nutrition-based approach, so 
meal plans, dietary changes and things wasn't going far enough. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was eating so healthy and I was exercising and I was doing quote unquote all the right things and I still was severely constipated. I struggled my periods for years. Um, I was under eating as well. I was over exercising, but I just had all these imbalances, all this immune stuff and no one knew what was going on. And I was like, well, I'm like, I'm eating well. I'm eating all the veggies Mm. and the fruit and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And it just wasn't, things weren't getting better. I had so much stomach pain. Um, I was exhausted, like falling asleep at my desk in the afternoons. Like it was just really hard to understand why all this was happening. And at the same time, I was working with women who, you know, I was doing personal training with them. So they were exercising, uh, we were looking at their dietary stuff, they were eating really well. And we just weren't getting, we weren't getting the results though after. There was mm-hmm. still, like I said, bloating, fatigue, burnout, um, weight, like weight gain. I think that was a really big thing as well. And I don't focus in on weight loss. It's not my niche, but I do see it as a symptom mm. for a lot of women who, you know, again, are doing the right things and can't find a healthy weight balance. So that then pushed me to go and do functional diagnostic nutrition so that I could understand a little bit more about the gut and hormones but specifically at the time it was gut stuff Mm -hmm. because although I lost my period for six or seven years the the day-to-day struggle was the the bloating and the stomach pain Mm. and not being able to eat foods and all that sort of internal inflammation um so yeah so then I did that and I started seeing uh functional diagnostic practitioner at the same time and she was amazing and I learned that I had like a couple parasite overgrowths I had major bacterial overgrowths I had candida and yeast and leaky gut lining and no digestive enzymes and my body was in such a stress state so I think that was really eye-opening because for the first time in my health journey I was like hey there's there's a reason for all this mm. in my body. Like it's not just made up. It's not just in my head. It's not, you know, it's not It's not down to the foods I'm eating. And that was a massive thing as well because so mm. often we go on like these restrictive diets and whether that's, you know, eczema or psoriasis or hormonal stuff or whatever and we go, oh, if I eliminate X, Y, Z, I'm going to get better. And although there are key foods that are key triggers, it's not it's not the only thing um there's mm. all this other stuff going on so understanding that and then going through those protocols that address parasites that address bacteria that address yeast that started to rebuild and repair my gut and I could actually tolerate like my list of foods going from like tiny <laughs> and growing and growing and growing and I'm like ah oh, I can eat chickpeas again amazing and onion yeah. and garlic and it's like this is great because you just end up so restricted Mm. and I think that's really frustrating but if you're restricted and you've still got symptoms that's even more frustrating because then you feel really stuck I think you're like there's no answer so I guess going through all of that myself um just made me go hey actually there needs to be more education there needs to be more awareness I don't want to walk into a doctor's again And being told that, oh, well, you're missing your period, go on the pill. Or you're constipated, just (laughs) a bit of fiber. Or, yeah, it's just like, I'm like, no, this is 
this is not good enough. IBS is not a good enough diagnosis. Missing periods and just being told it's on the pill is not good enough. Pill being the only treatment for acne is not good enough. Like there's, mm, it's, just- it's so true. I mean, women's health in general, I would say the conventional approach is not good enough. Uh, and, you know, just thinking back, I have a particular client at the moment who has had amenorrhea for 10 years and, you know, got a referral to sort of the top gynecologist uh, in our local area and was told to go on the pill. And I just want to bang my head against the wall yeah. when I hear that. I'm like, are you kidding? Seriously? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I have clients as well who tell their GPs that they are looking to try and conceive in the next couple of years and their hormones are imbalanced and they're told to go on the pill. And I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this the approach we're given? But like you said, like who else do you trust? If you can't trust the top GPs or the top gynecologists or, you know, the, the experts in the field, like then, you know, there's you and me coming in as these, underdogs you know like we're small compared to someone who's who's doing all these years of medical training and we're saying actually there's another way out and he's going really but is there slain like are you sure because (laughs) we're not a dp you know and it's like no i'm serious like there's you know and then the research that starts coming out by dr jolene brighton and Mm. him and lara brighton who you're like oh actually there are answers answers. and the gut stuff is the same that it's just like well actually I don't need to live with this bloating I don't need to live with this constipation I should be able to eat a wide range of foods and that's all it comes down to yeah definitely I read a I think I read it maybe I heard it somewhere that uh it's estimated that when new research is done, it takes up to 17 years for it to actually filter down into our conventional guidelines. And, you know, we can't wait that long for uh, us to be receiving the newest and most up-to-date research. And I think as well, that's where practitioners like you and I, obviously, who are staying on top of that new research, we are actually using the most up-to-date research in our practice but unfortunately uh you know our government guidelines take a lot longer to be updated so I think that's also really important for people to be aware of as to why there's often you know differences in terms of what you and I might be saying as opposed to the information you might receive at say a GP yeah yeah that's that's what yeah it's a long time I know I know Anyway, today we're going to be talking all about IBS. So I'd love, Sheridan, if you could just start out with giving us a bit of a definition about what IBS is. (laughs) Okay, so love the old acronyms. Um, Most people, yeah, I think when we say IBS, I'm talking about irritable bowel syndrome. Now, you might have heard of IBD, which is irritable bowel disease, and that is what I would call a true diagnosis, whereas IBS as irritable bowel syndrome, we're saying, well, a syndrome is a collection of symptoms. It's like you telling a client that, you know, she's got PCOS, for example. It's a collection of, of symptoms that can be various. There's, you know, a few different definitions for them, but the main things I see in clinical with women is um, loose stools, so what I would call IBSD, so IBS diarrhea, 
or um, constipation, so IBSC, or very commonly IBSM, for example, so it's mixed. Mm-hmm. So you alternate um, between those bowel movements. Now that could be a couple of days of constipation, a couple of days of loose stools every day. It could be pain with um, going to the toilet. It could be severe bloating. It could. It does vary for everyone what it looks like. What I'm looking for purely is that you are not having two to three regular bowel movements a day. Like if you're having, you're not having a bowel movement every day, preferably two, no more than four. Um, I'm going, you know what, that's that's classic sort of IBS type symptoms. So it's it's that regularity, how regularly you're having them, how formed are your stools. So the Bristol stool chart, which you can just Google and find online, gives you a real sort of basic, actually that's not formed, like that's that's normal, that's not kind of mm. thing. You can sort of start to see where you sit on it. So that's kind of the main thing with IBS, and I call it a BS diagnosis because it's <laughs> it, not, is. it is not a real diagnosis. And just like we've just ranted on about the first 10 minutes on this podcast, um, if you walk into your GP's office, and, you know, this is not every GP, but this is something what I hear every day, and I know I'm in a biased thing mm. on a community, but I hear women who go to their GP what are you, you know, they're like, I've just, I'm getting all this stomach pain, I'm getting all this bloating, they're like, mm, what are your bowel movements like? Oh, sometimes they're hard to pass, other times I'll have loose stools, or maybe it's loose stools all the time, or maybe it's severe constipation, like what I had, and you're only going once a week or something, and your GP are like, okay, well, it sounds like IBS, you know, um, take some Metamucil or take some, you know, laxatives or whatever to keep things moving, and that's kind of your diagnosis. Can't try and control it. Maybe they'll refer you to a dietitian, and you'll do some FODMAP stuff. So you'll look at removing certain foods out of your diet to help control the symptoms. But again, it's not it's not giving you a path forward. It's not mm. giving you a reason as to why you have these symptoms. And that's what I want to know. I want to know what like you know is this something I've got forever is this a lifelong condition of IBS that this is just how my life looks moving forward but it's not and it doesn't have to be because you can manage it with diet you can manage it with exercise you can manage it with stress reduction but you've got to ask the question do I just want to manage things Mm. like like say endometriosis which is an autoimmune condition which you are, or Hashimoto's, you are managing for the rest of your life. And you can reduce your symptoms, you know, very minimally. And you might have flare-ups from time to time if you get stressed. Your dietary changes will help them, whatever. But with IBS, you actually don't just need to manage it. You can you can heal it because it's just a collection of symptoms. So you can mm. heal those symptoms. So if you're dealing with the root causes, so if you're dealing with the parasites or the bacteria or the yeast so commonly we'll see a dysbiosis of good to bad like gut flora so good to bad bacteria in your gut um there often there is some kind of immune reaction or reactions to foods and whether that's and this is a marker you see in some of your stool testing but your immune response is quite low so it's not 
tagging foods as acceptable as they come into the GI tract. Rather, you've got a damaged gut lining, your immune is overstimulated and you're firing at everything. So rather, you you know, you're attacking these foods, you're going, they're not okay, you're causing this inflammation. Um, so you're starting to see, okay, there's these bigger picture things besides IBS and it's not just stress and it's not just a lack of fibre or a lack of water or, you know, poor dietary habits. They they do play a role and they will 100%, they will impact the way, you know, the, the way it plays about. Like constipation, for example, you know, if, if you're not eating those five to seven to nine vegetables per day, which I actually heard today on a podcast that five to seven sounds like a lot of veggies, but did you know that's just meeting your bare minimums. If you have <laughs> acne, skin issues, hormonal issues, nutrient deficiencies, you need to be getting like nine serves of fruits and veggies per day or nine serves of veggies per day to actually start to correct deficiencies. So if you think about something like constipation, within a couple serves of veggies, you're increasing your fiber intake, right? So all those leafy greens and stuff. But if you've had constipation for a long time or you've got gut dysbiosis or low pancreatic activity and you're not breaking down your food properly, so you've got all these nutrient deficiencies, then you need to actually be getting like nine serves of veggies a day to start to correct things, which is why, you know, often I'll supplement because A, most people are not getting that in or B, most people don't have the good gut flora to break down those mm. foods properly and absorb those nutrients. And that's that's probably one of the biggest issues with IBS. Yes, there's pathogens in there. Yes, we go through pathogen protocol removal framework that is really important but when you've removed all those pathogenic things that are causing a lot of those bloating or pain or symptoms you need to rebuild and repair that good gut flora because your body outsources all of its digestion to these good bacteria these microbes to break down your food for you um and if you don't have them in there or in your gut, then how are you going to digest your food? How are you going to get your nutrients? How, you know, like it's just mm. not going to happen. You're going to get that bloating because these foods are all going to ferment and you're just going to get constipated or it's going to draw all this water in suddenly and you're going to get loose stools. So it's, yeah, there's, where else are I going with this? IBS. IBS, yes. For those things. Because it's not, yeah, it's it's not a diagnosis in its own and it's not a standalone diagnosis. No, definitely. I actually want to circle back to something earlier in what you said around constipation because I think the definition of constipation is often misunderstood. I've seen it misrepresented many times on Instagram. People even, you know, uh, in my field uh, defining it as, you know, acceptable being going three times a week to the toilet and let me just tell you no that is not okay you need to be having a bowel movement at least every day yeah wow uh, yes, yes yes anyway we you, you're thinking about like and like like real quickly on that three mm. times a week 
Think of all the toxins and the, I know. the hormones and the shit. That's all sitting in your large colon, mm-hmm. just getting nicely reabsorbed. Think of all that lovely estrogen just going, yep, I'm going straight back into your body. Hello, yeah, me. Exactly. And, yeah, no. yeah, not okay. And so, yeah, I just want to always clarify that kind of thing because <laughs> I've seen it passed around quite a few times by some very reputable people. And I just think it needs to be uh, acknowledged that you do need to be going every day. And on that Bristol stool chart, what type are we aiming for? Um, I'm trying to think of it at the top of my head. Somewhere in the middle. It's about a three sitting, and a four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're sitting, sitting mid-brain. Around the middle. Yeah. I think that some people will have looser stools from time to time, but I think like often you've got to consider, like it might not actually be, and I'm just going to use IBS because mm. it's, talking about but it might not actually be IBS it might actually just have been one too many coffees that day oh for sure you know what I mean like it might just be around your period it might actually be same with constipation maybe there's you know progesterone loosening those muscles and therefore Mm -hmm. you know things are not moving through how they normally would be because you're not having the same peristalsis or whatever it is like it it might be hormonal and bloating is the same like often women be like I think I've got all this gut stuff going on and to be fair 99% 99% of people have something going on in their gut. It's just mm. how well do you manage it and are you, you know, are you supporting your gut health sort of on a general level? But it's also like, well, what what else, you know, what else is going on? Yeah, is it hormonal? Is it stress? Like some people, this is like the whole chicken and egg thing. It's like, did my stress cause my gut issues or my gut issues causing my stress? Mm. Like what's things? Bit dying? of both probably. Yeah. And I guess that's where, you know, if you are working with a nutritionist, a a proper case taking comes into play where we are looking at all those factors. I mean, certainly if I see someone with diarrhea that's having four or five coffees a day and highly stressed, I'm like, "Ah, I don't know if you've got IBSD. I think you might just be having too much coffee. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And similarly, I had, you know, coming back to your story, a client recently, and I won't name and shame the company, but she was purchasing those, you know, ready-made meals that you get for, you get your lunch and dinner done, they get sent to you. And that just mortifies me because I just think that food is so dead and it's wrapped in plastic and oh my God, no. Anyway, she was eating these meals for uh, lunch and dinner and, and having a smoothie for breakfast every day. And she had all this bloating. She, I got her to do a symptom food diary, even though I was pretty sure it was those. And she said to me in the initial consult, I'm I'm not going to make my own food because I just, that's not my lifestyle. I'm used to just doing this. So, you know, your suggestions are kind of going to need to fit in with that. I said, okay, well, what, let's just see, just keep a food and symptom diary and we'll go from there. So she did that. And of course there was no marry up because she's having these foods every day. And then one day was highlighted to me, actually, was the Sunday where she hadn't eaten any of those meals. And she's like, oh, I didn't get any of those symptoms. And I said, look, I'm going to play the devil's advocate and just say, how about you don't order any of those pre-made meals for a week and make your own food and just see what happens. Just, just give it a go. And what do you know? All of the symptoms are gone because those meals had emulsifiers and weird things like that in there that we obviously know pull water into the colon and make you distended. So yeah, that was, it's always interesting because sometimes it's, you know, we don't need to jump into testing. We don't need to jump into anything complicated. It is sometimes as simple as pulling something like that out. Yeah, no, totally. And that's, you know, that 
there's a lot to play around with with diet as well. Mm-hmm. Like um, even if someone is going, hey, Sheridan, what you said in the first 10 minutes really resonated with me. I've been told I've got IBS. I want to try some stuff at home. Where do I start? I would be like, well, do start with your diet. Like if you've been struggling with it for, you know, six months plus and you've tried, you know, a few dietary stuff, then by all means go and see a good practitioner um, like myself or someone else, a good naturopath, anyone who runs the GI map or functional school mm-hmm. test, go get some done. But if you haven't tried anything, then definitely think about, am I drinking two litres of water each day if it's constipation? Um, am I eating enough fibre? So you can think things about like chia seeds or flax seeds or psyllium husk, things that are going to add that, you know, fibre to your diet. Am I eating enough fat? Because fat helps keep things moving as well, okay? Mm. Um, you can try things like aloe vera that slightly stimulate the gastrointestinal tract and help, you know, keep things moving as well. So there's a lot you can do. You can even look at FODMAPs or download the Monash University app and just do their two to six week challenge and remove some of those higher FODMAP foods and see if you've got triggers because, if you got triggers, then that's a sign there's gut dysbiosis. So then you can go, hey, actually, I need to do some healing work here. I need to do some repair work here. But if you've played around with some of those things and haven't seen any shifts or changes, then you know it's parasitic or it's yeast or it's bacteria or, you know, it's something more severe like SIBO or mm. whatever. So tracking it, like tracking it around your period is super helpful. But then also starting to see okay what foods are eliminating if you're further down the track and IBS is your friend so you've been battling her for a while (laughs) and you've gone oh I've done low FODMAP so if you don't know what that is go for Google after and have a look but I've done low FODMAP and I've removed garlic and onions and legumes and gluten and asparagus and apples and everything and I've been doing that for years which was me because I did that for a long time then all of a sudden you've restricted all the food mm. for your gut flora. So you're, you, like, you're going to be making it worse and worse and worse and worse as time goes on because your good gut flora need a heap of prebiotics to live. So they need those fibres. They need that diversity in food fibres. Yes, they need fats. Yes, they need proteins. But to feed that good bacteria, they, they need food. So either... You need to do that nutritionally. And if you can't handle those fibres nutritionally, then you need to look at why Mm. um, and start with either testing or adding in a prebiotic supplement like PHGG, just a tiny little bit every day and build your way up and just start to feed that lactobacillus and that bifobactam because those bacterias regulate your stool so that's what's stopping you from having constipation they are there to help keep you regular they also stop things like your candida like your thrush like your parasites getting in because they maintain the integrity of that single cell wall in your large intestine so it's it's really important to identify where you're at with your healing journey as well and like I said if you want to self-treat awesome there's heaps of resources out there but don't self-treat for years do it for like two to six weeks eight weeks max and track a few things play around with a few things see where your body's at 
listen to some good podcasts on it. I've got one on FODMAPs, like start to look at the Monash University staff and go, oh, okay, that's that's where I'm at. And then if you're going, actually, it's super hormonal, you can go, cool, I'll go see, you know, a naturopath or a nutritionist about some hormone stuff or going, hey, I'm not seeing any shift here or I am seeing major shifts with the FODMAP diet or with an elimination style diet then you need to get some stool testing done because if you've got parasites, the treatment is different to bacteria. If you've got bacteria, the treatment is different to yeast. If you've got low gut flora, the treatment is different again. So you just can't go in trying to treat all of them at once because it's not going to work and you can't just ad hoc treat them. You've got to do it in a symptomatic order and you can't, you don't want to go in and treat without knowing what you've got because if it's not any pathogens and just low good gut flora, mm, then you're yes. still going to have an issue because you're just going to kill off whatever good gut flora you've got with all your woodworm and your berberine and your oregano and allicillin. And you're like, let's get in there and kill. And it's like, well, actually, there's nothing to kill. You actually should just be in a repair and a rebuild phase. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think testing has its place, but I also think. If you don't have the budget for it, there's there's a lot you can do as well without having to jump straight in the deep end. Yeah, definitely. I think ultimately if there's foods you're not tolerating, then that should lead you to questioning why. And certainly if you do improve when you're pulling fibres out, that's always a big sort of red flag for me when the client's like, oh, well, when I eat less veggies, I actually feel better. I'm like, oh, Okay. Let's, yeah, let's dig into that. So yeah, ultimately you want to figure that out because if you continue on that trajectory of uh, reducing your diet, you'll end up only eating a couple of foods and that will contribute to the problem and it will also not serve your long-term health either and you'll sort of back yourself into a corner. And if you are in that corner, it's okay. You can get out, but you probably want to work with a practitioner if you are at that stage at the moment. Yeah, for sure. So we've talked about a couple of different things. We've mentioned SIBO, which we haven't gone into, but what are the common causes of IBS? So I know you've talked about parasites, uh, low diversity. What about things like, you know, if you've had repeat antibiotic exposure uh, and tell us a little bit about SIBO as well. Yeah, so I guess the things, SIBO is not one that I test for straight up. It's something that, so I'll run the functional stool testing and that's looking at large intestine bacterial overgrowth. If there's two or three showing up on that, then we might go probably even more than that, actually. Then we'll go down the line of doing some breath testing for SIBO, which, you know, generally just means that bacteria is overgrown from that large intestine into that small intestine. You can often tell, though, in the sense that if you're eating food and you're getting pain, you know, 20, 30 minutes after eating, then it's more likely to be SIBO because that's kind of when it's hitting that small intestine, somewhere somewhere within that sort of hour. But if it's, you know, a bit later, if it's two to three hours, like you can't eat and you feel all right and then it comes later or the next morning you're waking up with this stuff, then you've got to think, well, there's food sitting in my large intestine. So what's going on in my large intestine? So things like parasites, bacteria, yeast, 
they are causes, but they're caused by something. Like they are, I call them like a secondary cause because you're not just tech usually, you're not just born with all these overgrowths. You've either mm-hmm. ingested it from somewhere or something's happened that has, you know, like you said, you've had a few rounds of antibiotics. So that's decreased your ability to fight off things. Um, or you live a really high stress life. Uh, so your immune's lowered because you're in a constant go, go, go state uh, or your diet's really poor um, or, you know, just these sort of things that go, okay, would well that, that might be the trigger for these other things to come. Things like travel, things like pets, things like mm. rainwater, we can pick up so much stuff. And yes, sometimes we can fight it off. Yes, you could have a salmonella poisoning and you could fight it off and be fine. Other times, something like salmonella or E. coli actually embeds. And I see all E. coli heaps in the GI. Mm. Um, it'll just, you'll have a bout of food poisoning. So you've got to think back and go, okay, have I had food poisoning before? What happened when all these, you know, what what was at the start? Like for me, I went to Bali. I went overseas. I got quite sick when I came back. I had that food poisoning or whatnot. Didn't connect the dots at the time but that's when I would have picked up my parasites and that's when I would have picked up a lot of that bacterial overgrowth so your body does this flushing response where you might have really loose stools or you're throwing stuff up to try and get it out but then all of a sudden it's like okay well it kind of embeds in there and it just low grade festers and if you've had you know strep throat or surgery or whatever and I've chatted about um, this in some of my podcasts about the antibiotics and impact mm. how you need to rebuild and repair properly after them just like like anything you break your arm you need to go through that rehab your gut's the same you can't just whack it with antibiotics or birth control pill and think that even Panadol Panadol and um, friend, those things are massive for your microbiome you can't just hit them and mm. expect your body to be okay afterwards yeah, I'm always thinking when I see the parasites on a GI map of, well, why is that person also the host yeah. for them? Because, you know, you and I could drink the same rainwater and it's not going to have the same effect in our gut depending on our overall resilience, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Amazing. So we've been through quite a few things. Uh, I guess... Before we wrap up, I just want to go over. So if someone, depending on where they're at in their journey, if they're at the start of their IBS journey, I'm doing air quotes, uh, then they're potentially looking at something like FODMAPs initially just to do a bit of investigation. Yeah, um, usually like FODMAPs is actually helpful for some people. Some people Mm -hmm. won't be at all. They won't notice any difference. But I do find like, when I chat to people and they're like, look, I just want to, you know, try some things at home. I would say play around with your diet or stuff, like chat with your symptoms, play around with your diet or stuff, look at your water intake, make sure you are eating enough fiber as well mm-hmm. in good forms of fiber because we do quickly resort to things that might be easy that aren't that, you know, high in fiber. Look at gluten and dairy as well and see if you react to them. Pull them out, especially gluten is hard to break down um, mm. and you need that good bacteria. So you need that bacteria to break down your legumes, to break down your gluten, um, some of those oligosaccharides or, you know, those things that are, are harder for that bacteria to digest. And if you don't have those bacteria, then you're going to be having issues. So I usually just start with the basics and go, 
play around with your diet, look at your stress reduction and track it in line with your period Mm -hmm. and then sort of see where you're sitting from there and you'll be able to identify pretty quickly whether it's a gut thing or whether you just need to change a few lifestyle things. Yeah, definitely. And then also making sure you're thinking about caffeine as well in that overall stress picture. And also I'd say if you are eating packaged foods, making sure you're doing some thorough label reading because there are often, basically if you can't recognize the food and conceptualize it in what it would look like growing, uh, then yet really questioning, is that potentially something that's actually contributing to your gut issues? And certainly like Sheridan said, don't do it alone. If you've been trying to sort of fix things up in your gut for, you know, anywhere from six to eight weeks and you're not really getting the desired result and you're still struggling with it, then, you know, if you have the budget to, it is time to uh, invest in a practitioner like Sheridan uh, and get some proper testing done and get her assistance because basically getting that help and getting that proper testing helps you to get from a, a point A to point B much faster and more efficiently. And to be quite honest, even though testing is an investment, often if you are guessing with different supplements, that really, really quickly adds up and you know, before you know it, you've spent the amount that the test cost on supplements and you're no closer to getting your answer. Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% I agree with that. So Sheridan, I just wanted to uh, let you add anything else to the conversation that you wanted to and tell us uh, if any listeners wanting to get in touch with you, where they can find you and uh, reach out to you. Awesome. So yeah, we have a peak today and I know it can be overwhelming for people, especially if this is the first time you sort of heard about IBS or have looked further than that. So I also have a podcast when that's Lane's on, which is mm-hmm. lovely if you want to listen to some more of her episodes on my podcast. So that is the Empowered Hormones with Sheridan Decker, but there are some on FODMAPs on there, um, also on IBS, white severe diagnosis, and a few other bits and pieces about stool testing that might give you, yeah, some more information there. So jump across to my podcast, find me on Instagram, um, Sheridan underscore functional nutrition. Otherwise, yeah, jump on my website, www.sheridandecker.com, um, and have a squeeze around. I'd love to hear from you. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.